Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. That's awesome. Hey, we're continuing our series this morning entitled Rumble Strip. A Rumble Strip. And the title of this message, if you're taking notes, are 10 and 2. 10 and 2. And uh, as you know, it's, it's no longer okay to keep your hands at 10 and 2 when you're driving, I'm told, because the airbags will break your arms off or something. I don't know, but... That's the way I learned it, and I'm preaching this morning, so that's the title of my message, okay? I don't want to argue about it. Nine and three is probably more proper, they say. Ephesians chapter five, verse 14 through 21. We're going to read, uh, this is our main verses for this series that we've been doing. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Josh preached last week. He did an awesome job if you were here. I know you were blessed by that. But two weeks ago, I preached about an internal rumble strip. And so this week, I want to talk about these external rumble strips that God has given us, placed in our lives to help us along the way. Starting in verse 14 in chapter 5, it says, This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the last verse says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I want to ask you this morning, how many of you have ever watched Bear Grylls? Anybody else in here seen this guy, Man vs. Wild? You ever watch that? Maybe you watch Naked and Afraid. I don't know. That's weird to me. These people are way too comfortable being naked with cameras rolling. I don't understand it. They're not Adam and Eve. But but I was surprised uh, to to find out that one of the most important and most overlooked things that you can do to stay alive when out in the wild is not uh, finding out which berries you can eat and which ones will kill you. It's definitely not purifying uh, your urine for drinking water, okay? It's none of these, not skinning and killing a rattlesnake to eat. These aren't one of the most important things you can do. It's not even creating a fire from flint. One of the most important and overlooked things you can do to survive when you're going out in the middle of nowhere is to tell three people where you're going and when you'll return. And so my question I want to pose this morning is, how many people are there in your life that if you come up missing, will send the helicopters looking for you? How many people do you have in your life set up to where if you you are making good choices, they're going to come looking for you? You see, years ago, I was in uh, the Nike outlet, and I had my uh, oldest daughter, Caitlin, was about two at the time, and our youngest wasn't born yet. And uh, I, I lost her. I mean, I was in the Nike outlet, okay? I was distracted, all right? It was... It was great sales that day. I, it was very busy that day, and I turned away for two seconds and turned around, and she was gone. And, and immediately, my heart filled with fear, not only for losing my child, but realizing that I was going to have to tell my wife I lost my, her child, okay? And so my heart filled with fear, but in an instant, in a moment, all of a sudden, one worker, I said, I, I'm looking for my daughter. All of a sudden, everybody in that store was like a search party looking for my two-year-old. They were all on it, and we ended up finding her, as you know, or you would not know her today. But my question is, who's your search party in your relationship with God? 
Who have you set up to where if you go missing, they're going to come looking for you? Because we're doing this strip, this uh, series called Rumble Strip, and it's based on these dips in the road. And I have a picture, if you don't know what a rumble strip is. These are these dips in the road that you run over maybe when you're, when you're driving, and, and they actually tell you you're headed in the wrong direction. And so they don't change your direction, but they tell you that you're drifting towards danger. Who in your lives is telling you if you're drifting? It's so important that you have people that God has placed in your lives to tell you when you're drifting because nobody likes to be told sometimes. Nobody argues with these things on the highway though, right? Everyone loves these rumble strips. Maybe not like a a cyclist because if you're in a car, it's like a massage when you run them over. But if you're on a bike, it will knock your fillings out. I'm telling you, it's not a joke. Uh, Another person I read that doesn't like these are the Amish. They don't like these. I don't think the wooden wheels on a horse and buggy do well on the rumble strips. But rumble strips save lives. A few facts for you this morning is they only cost $5,000 per mile to install, which is pretty cheap in relation to how much money we spend on roads and how much it costs to lay down concrete and all that, that different things. The Department of Transportation says they reduce fatalities by as much as 51%. That's money well spent. Uh, 37,000 lives are lost per year in the U.S. on roads. That's why it's important that they install these rumble strips. And the three leading causes of people that lose their lives on roads is very sad because they're all preventable are drunk driving, not wearing seatbelts, and speeding. But it's not only important that we have rumble strips on road, it's important that we have rumble strips in our lives. Because we have a, a short life to live and we need the, these rumble strips in our lives to make the most out of every opportunity because the days are evil, as Paul put it in Ephesians that we just read. Make the most out of every opportunity because the days are evil. And when we read this, we think Paul is, initially I thought Paul is talking about this dark and evil world that we live in, but then it, it didn't really make sense, the sentence to me where he says, make the most of the days because the days are evil. And I started to think about this word evil or wicked, and, and sometimes we use evil or wicked in a sentence talking about speed. Have you ever heard someone do that, especially if you're from Boston? Like my friend Keith, he always says, oh, it was, it was wicked fast. Hey, kid, you see that car? It was wicked fast. Is that better? <laughs> but um, that it's, it's something that we do to describe the speed of something, and maybe Paul is referring to how fast our lives pass us by. So we have to make the most out of every day because the, the days are wicked fast. You know, and have you ever thought about how long you're going to live? <laughs> this is probably sadistic, but I have, okay? In fact, last night I was on a date with my wife and, and we were um, getting ready to watch a movie and we had some candy and, and sitting in there and I said, how long do you think you're going to live? And then she made sure to see that I ate the Snickers before she ate any of it because she didn't like that question. But, but the, the truth is, is I asked her that, and, and the average life expectancy for women is 81, and the average life expectancy for men is 76. Women, the, the facial lotions are working. Okay, keep them up. But Jen is older than me, so I have that working for me, but it's only six months, so I asked her, what are you going to do with these extra four and a half years? She's probably going to sit by the bed and cry because she misses me so much for four and a half. It's very sad. Pray for her. Just kidding. But this age expectancy is a rule of thumb. But how many of you know we're not even guaranteed our next breath? Life is wicked fast. 
It's fast. And so we have to make the most out of our days because according to this expectancy, I have at best four decades left on earth. Life is wicked fast. That's why we need to lean into the rumble strip. We need to make the most out of our time. Last week, we did, like I said, two weeks ago, we discussed the internal rumble strip, our conscience. Uh, we need to lean into our conscience and not fight it. Remember we talked about it's basically like uh, fighting our bodyguard, the one God has given us to guide us. And this week, I want to ter- talk about the external rumble strip. This is the people in our life that God wants to use that will keep us from getting to the end of, the li- end of our life and realizing I, was, I drifted far from the lane God wanted me to run in. And I know so many people that I feel like they surround themselves with the wrong people and the wrong rumble strips, so they push away the right rumble strips and they find themselves drifting far, far from where God wants them. So it's important that we keep these rumble strips in our lives. We need people in our lives to tell us when we're moving in the wrong direction. Why? Because we are people that are led mainly by emotion. We're led by what I'm passionate about. And passion... I read one author put it this way, passion is what you want to do, ability is what you can do, but purpose is what you should do, what you are made to do, what you're supposed to do. We need people who can rumble us when we head away from purposes, because if you're taking notes and you're, or you're going to remember one thing from my sermon today, I want you to remember this, that if we, if we listen to the right voices, we'll avoid the wrong places. If you listen to the wrong voices, you'll avoid the right places. So it's very important that we have these people that are God's voice to rumble in our life to keep us from living foolishly. You know what living foolishly means? It means living as if the way I live in the present is not going to affect my future. And that's not true. The present always affects your future. And my fear is that some of us are living in a way that's hurtling us towards a future that we won't like when we get there. So verse 21 is the focus of our message this morning, and I'm going to read it one more time. It said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. But this verse basically means is I'm so in awe of God, I have so much reverence for God, that I'm going to willingly submit myself under his people. And believe that he can not only speak to me personally, he can use people to speak to me. Your reverence from Christ for Christ should cause you to treat his people with submission. And submission in this verse, it means to voluntarily put yourself under the authority of other people in his body because people matter in life more than you know. And so there's four things I want you to write down if you're taking notes this morning that we need. The first thing is we need the right people. Because whether you realize it or not, the people that you surround yourself determine the trajectory and the outcome of your life. Pastor Craig Rochelle said, um, he put it this way, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And it's important. Proverbs thirteen twenty puts it this way. It says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. It doesn't even say you'll become a fool. It just says you're going to get what fools get. You're going to receive harm. That's a given. The same result as a foolish person. Harm is what you're going to get because you will become like who you hang out with. If you hang out with foolish people, you're going to become foolish. If you hang out with wise people, you're going to become wise. It's very interesting because they've done studies on this and there's psychologists at Princeton that say when you spend time with people, you fall into the same neurological brain wave or wavelength as they do. 
It's as if your brains sync up with the people that you spend time with, which is important. And I love this when it comes to worship. You know why? Because we all come together and we sing the same songs and we clap to the same beat, unless you're uh, offbeat and white like I am and I can't find the beat. But, but you're, you, we get in this rhythm with the Holy Spirit and with one another and we sync up with what the Holy Spirit is saying in our lives. And all of a sudden, the pull of the world diminishes. That's why I love worship. I love coming together with other believers and getting in rhythm and getting in step with the Holy Spirit. But you need to realize the people around you are going to rumble certain things. And if you have the wrong people around you, they're going to rumble the wrong things. They're going to rumble things that God wants for you. Like, really, dude? You go to church like every week? You're doing too much. Or, really, man, I can't believe you, you're, you go to church on Sunday, and then you go to community group on Wednesday? What in the world are you thinking? And they're going to rumble things that God wants for, for your life. Really, man, you give money to the church? What are you thinking? And see, they're going to start to rumble things. Uh, they're going to say, this, you're getting just too weird with this Jesus stuff. And all of a sudden, they're, they're rumbling things that God has for your life um, because they're not followers of Jesus and as you laugh at their jokes and as you, as you party with them, your mind and your brain and your values and your priorities are going to sync up with theirs. It's important that we surround ourselves with the right people. And there's tension in this statement because how can I change a world that I refuse to be a part of? Right? How can I change a world if I'm not even... Um, going to be in the world. We want to be in the world, but not of the world. And so we have all these Christian things we say, and there's tension because I want to reach the world, but I don't want to be like the world. So I think we need to discuss this tension. Um, the church tends to lean towards either side of the pendulum on this. And I heard one person say, a quote said, the devil doesn't care which side of the horse you fall off on as long as you don't stay in the saddle and ride. You're going to fall off either extreme, and so he doesn't mind. And one side, here's one extreme, it says, I'm going to live like a monk, and I'm going to separate myself from the world because the world has cooties, and ooh, I want, to go, I want to go to a Christian church, and I want to go only to Christian bookstores, and only to Christian concerts, and I wish they had Christian grocery stores and Christian banks, and I want to only play in a Christian softball league, and that's what I want to do because the world has cooties. But do you know there's an issue with this? Because separating yourself from the world does not separate you from sin, because sin sneaks its way in here every Sunday hidden in our hearts. You can't avoid it. It's coming with you anyways. You're here, and so sin is here. It's, it's part of it. You can't avoid it. And the other side, the other extreme is, I'm going to do exactly what the world does, and then I have nothing to offer the world. I could fall off this way or I can come over here and say, uh, I have nothing to offer the world because I'm just like the world. You cannot be an influence to a world that you're being influenced by. You can't. And so we have to find a balance in this. And people say, well, Brent, Jesus was a friend of sinners. He went to parties. And I say, yes, you're right. But I want to talk this morning. Look at Jesus' closest confidants. Who was his community group? Shameless plug. Community group starting August 15th. Okay, get in one. Um, but who was, who was Jesus' community group? Who were the relationships that he spent his most time with, his 12 disciples? And even beyond that, there was three, James, Peter, and John, that he was even closer with that were like, they were right with him wherever he went. Jesus understood that his closest relationships 
We're important. And we can do it just like Jesus, can't we? We can, we can minister to everyone and love everyone and, and even be around people in the world, but have our closest relationships be those that are rumbling us for the right things. And when I was in youth ministry, I used to put it this way, that if you have a tree with no roots, then the tree will fall over at every wind. But with a good root system, that tree can withstand the wind. And the root system is the closest voices in your life. If they're speaking and rumbling the right things, I have a strong root system with other Christians who are going to rumble me. If I'm making mistakes, then guess what? I can have all these external relationships with people in the world, and the wind and the temptation is not going to blow me over because my roots are strong. And the closest voices that are rumbling me are people that love Jesus. Another way to put it is we need to get the right people who will light up the nose at the right things. You remember the game Operation? We need people that are going to buzz us at the right things. The second thing you're going to need besides right people, and this is going to be a tough one, and I understand this is, it's probably going to get quiet in here, and that's good. You need to have the right spirit. You want to get rumbled, you want to grow, you need to have the right spirit. And what is that spirit? It's humility and gratitude. Humility and gratitude. Let me give you a couple examples um, that maybe will test your humility. If this, just put yourself in this situation, okay? Someone from your community group comes to you and says, hey, I wanted, to, I wanted to tell you, I noticed every time that your husband tells a story, you correct him. And what, what, what would happen if, if you affirmed him and encouraged him a little more? What would that do in your relationship? Ooh, ooh, that just feels gross, right? Some of you are like, I need a shower, don't, ooh. Uh, what about this? You come to, to serve on your E-team and uh, maybe your E-team leader comes up to you and says, hey, I notice that you're late quite often and you always have 17 excuses, but, but we all have lives too. And when you come late, it makes it seem like this is not important to you. And, and these things are not easy, but we have these things and lovingly the correction is given. And in those moments, if your response is humility, then you'll have gratitude. And you'll say, hey, thank you. I realized that was not easy to do, and that was awkward and hard. Thank you for giving me a chance to grow. Thank you for showing me something that I didn't see. I really appreciate that. That's if we have humility, okay? I don't know many people who are living this, and so I'm just saying this morning. But what do we do more often? We say, "Uh, excuse me, you're not perfect yourself. Awesome. Or look at your marriage. What are you giving me advice for? Thanks. But the question I wanted you to pose to yourself this morning is, do you want to grow or not? Because if we want to grow, pride should not be our, our reaction. Because the Bible tells us pride goes before, a, before destruction and a haughty spirit go, comes before the fall. And so we should not puff ourselves when someone we voluntarily put ourselves under comes to us to tell us something, to help us to grow and coaching us that will t- in a way that will take us to the next level. We have a choice. You can get bitter and say, you don't know how busy I am, okay? I'm busy. We're all busy. Can I just say that? Like we all have the same amount of time in a day and we're all busy. But if we demonstrate the right spirit when the right people speak up in our lives, we'll grow. The third thing you need, you need the right people, you need the right spirit, and you need the right questions. You should ask the right questions to provoke a rumble strip in your lives. You don't have to rely on your leaders and your pastors to see something before you bring it to them. 
If we ask the right questions, we can actually draw wisdom out of people. Proverbs says, counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. They'll go get it. They'll draw it out. Can I ask you this morning, don't make your leaders inspect your feelings and what you're going through. Sometimes you have someone come in to serve. Maybe you see this at work. Someone's, someone comes in and, how's it going? Good morning. Good to see you this morning. <sighs> hey. Uh, like, come in like Eeyore, you know what I mean? Or Snuffleupagus, like, hey, bird. It's like, can we just come out and say, hey, I'm not having a good day. You don't have to inspect my feelings. I need you to pray for me. This is what's going on. And actually gain wisdom and draw it out rather than making them inspect it. I remember when I was meeting with my pastor uh, years ago and he was teaching me about ministry and things. He, he, we sat down to lunch and he said, I'm not going to come with a syllabus of things to teach you. I'm relying on you to come and ask the right questions to draw wisdom out of me. And so, like Proverbs says, we can draw it out. It says, counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. If you ask the right questions, you'll get the good deep water. You'll find wisdom in that. Think about the godly people that you have in your life. Maybe some of you don't have them. If you're looking for someone, find someone that you want your future to look like there now. If you want your future to look like them, then that's the type of person that maybe you can gain some wisdom from. And go and say, how can I draw wisdom out of them? I want to be a worship leader. How can I go to Pastor Josh and Jen and say, hey, how can I draw some wisdom out of you? How can I gain something from, from you? I want to draw it out. I don't want to wait till you pour it. I want to draw it. This means you have to go to them before you've made your decision sometimes. If you want to draw something out of people, if you want wise counsel, you go to them before you made the decision. Sometimes people don't come for counsel before they made the decision. They've come after they've made the decision, and they don't want counsel. They want validation. Hey, Brent, I want, I want to know, uh, do you think I should be dating this girl? By the way, let me just tell you, we're already engaged, okay? So I'm just curious, like, do you think I should be dating this girl? You don't want, um, you don't want wise counsel. You don't want a rumble shrimp. You want a rubber stamp. That's what you want. You want someone to tell you you've made a good choice. Congratulations. But you're not coming for deep water. It's important you get the counsel early, not after you have decided, Go to them before. I want people that can walk through the weeds with me of my decision and my praying and under, trying to find out what God wants from me. I don't want to come after and say, does this sound good to you? I want people to say, hey, pray with me. Tell me what you think God is saying. I want you to walk with me through this process so I can gain wisdom on the other side of it. I want to come through this, but you got to go early. That looks like, hey, Pastor Brent, I'm starting to date this girl, and we want this relationship to draw us closer to God, not farther away. So if you see us drifting in some way, would you please let us know? I want to I find this out before I buy the house, before I take another job. I want to have some people walking with me and saying, would you pray with me? Would you see what the Holy Spirit's saying? And the last thing, the fourth thing you need is the right posture, the right posture. This has to do with people, you rumbling people. Because if you walk with God for a while, sooner or later, people are going to start coming to you and asking you to be a rumble strip in their lives. And what that looks like for me is usually when people start coming to me asking for advice, the first thing I always ask them is, do I have permission to speak into your life? Because don't come to me later and act like I'm judging you or I'm trying to say things because I think I'm better than you. I'm not. You're asking me to speak into your life, correct? 
And so then when, they, when I do, later on, they can't come back and, and respond with the wrong spirit. If they do, I just say, did you not ask me to speak into your life? Um, and so when people ask me to rumble them, rumble them or people ask you to rumble them, how do you do it? You do it with the right posture. And you know what that posture is? It's L-O-V-E, love. That's the right posture. Before I give someone uh, hard advice, a lot of times I'll go to the Holy Spirit and say, God, help me, help me, help them to see that I love them. Help my eyes and my words to speak love to them as I'm telling them this thing that's going to contradict what they're doing because it's not easy to hear. God, I pray that you would help me to communicate it in a loving way that they would see how much I care about them. And with humility, I share with them what God placed on my heart. And here's why we have to do it with humility. Galatians 6.1 says this, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But I love the way the message paraphrase translation puts it. It says, live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critics, critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. And Paul drops the mic. No, I'm just kidding. But I love that because it communicates that I need to be humble. It's a mentality that says, I recognize I'm blowing it too, but I just want to share with you what God has placed on my heart for you and what I see. And so God wants us to be humble and communicate love when we're rumbling other people and we're restoring them and helping them to grow. Can I get the worship team to come back up and help me? One story in the Old Testament, I feel like as, as I close this morning, it highlights this. And I love this story. It's, it's a... It's a lot like Ephesians. The book of Joshua has a lot of parallels with Ephesians, I feel like. And in Joshua, he led the people from the promised land. They've been wandering around there for 40 years. And as I was reading the story, I realized they backed out because they listened to the wrong voices and ended up in the wrong places. They could have moved in. They were heading strong towards the promised land, ready to go with Moses. And they sent in these 12 spies. Do you remember the story? And these 12 spies went into the promised land, and Moses is expecting them, I'm sure, to come back with this good report and say, wow, it's great in there. You got, we got to go. We, it's everything that we'd hope. Let's go in. It's going to be awesome. That's not what happened. In Numbers chapter 13 and, and on into 14, real quick, I want to read you part of this story about these spies. It says, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there, which are giants in their day. The, the Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we could certainly do it. But the men who'd gone up to him with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. 
that night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of your guess is as good as mine, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. In this story, 10 said no, and two said go. 10 and two. Because they listened to the 10 voices, the wrong voices, they ended up in the wrong places for 40 years. But I have good news for you this morning that if you listen to the right voices, you will end up in the right places. God has a plan for your life and he wants you to install other people in your life who can rumble you when you're walking out of that plan. He wants to bless you. He wants to bring you into a destiny and into a promised place like he did for the Israelite people. He wants you to follow him and he wants you to follow his people. And then all of the right things will follow you all the days of your life when you're in God's will. It's a It's important we see that God wants us to, another way to put it is to install lifeguards in your life. You see, when you're at the, at the pool and, and you're swimming, there's lifeguards who can see things who are outside of the pool. You're just in there having fun and talking to your friends and, and playing with your kids. And there's people outside of the pool who can see things from a different perspective who are scanning the water and making sure everything is okay. God wants you to install lifeguards in your life who can see things that you can't see because you're in the midst of it. Sometimes I've found that we avoid these external rumble strips. I think in this generation, there's, there's people who are so broken, they have the spirit that says, I can't be wrong again. And so because they have this fear of, of appearing wrong, because, because in their heart they believe that they didn't make a mistake, they are a mistake, and so now I can't let anyone see the real me, and so nobody knows what they're really going through, and, and I, they manipulate the way people see them and control their, they control their people's perception of them, and you might think you know them, but you're really only meeting a representative that they've sent to talk to you, and there's a different representative for different crowds in their life and people in their life. And the result is nobody will rumble you because nobody knows you. And I need you to know this morning, God cannot bless who you pretend to be. Growth takes authenticity. God wants us to make progress. Can I tell you, God is a God of progress. 
He wants to move you. He wants to grow you. And he wants to take you from season to season, from glory to glory. He has a new thing and a next thing for you. But the enemy is the opposite of that. God is a God of progress. And the enemy wants to stop progress. God works in seasons. And the enemy works in cycles to keep you going in the same cycle over and over and over so you can never grow. But it's time to break the cycle in our lives and say, I'm going to I'm gonna listen to some rumble strips because I want to have intimacy with people so the enemy can't keep me in the same cycle for years and years and years. I'm talking to somebody who acts one way in church, but nobody really knows you. It's okay. Can I be honest? This is a place you can be authentic. I don't have it together. I'll be the first person to tell you God is the one who's changing me and molding me and helping me. And you don't have to be like me to belong here. We want to help you. We want to see you grow, but you got to gain some intimacy and let some people into your life and what you're really dealing with. They have to come to a place where you say, you know what, I've made up my mind that honoring God means I will submit to others and I will place myself voluntarily under them. I want to see unity in the church because there's a com- competitive spirit in this, in this generation as well. It says, I have, to, I have to look one way because I have to appear like I'm as good as you or better than you. Can I tell you, that ain't getting the church anywhere. We need to have unity and we need to have authenticity that says, this is who I am and this is what I'm going through. And we can have this, this generation change from this spirit that says, you, don't, you can't trust anyone to say, you know what, I'm voluntarily opening myself up and I'm submitting myself under, that, under God because the body of Christ doesn't operate like that way. And when we have unity, we can all grow together in the body of Christ. That's the way God ordained it. He made it so you can come and be authentic to other believers and grow because we're all going through something this morning. Would you, want, would you commit this morning to say, you know what? I want to grow. Would you stand up to your feet with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm just believing this morning, God, that every... every device and every strategy of the enemy to divide us and make us feel like we have to act like something we're not. God, I'm just asking this morning, Lord, that you would help us to be humble and voluntarily, Lord Jesus, come under some people who can rumble me and see things in my life that I can't see. Would you do me a favor this morning as we pray and grab the person's hand next to you? And I just want you to pray for them and just say, Jesus, I'm just, as a sign of unity, I'm grabbing this hand and I'm just believing, God, that these people, Lord, I'm submitting myself and saying, if I'm slipping, God, I give, I give you the authority to speak through them to me. And just to say, I, I see an area that I want to see you can grow in. And Lord, we want to be humble and we want to have the right spirit, God. Help us to install the right people and the right spirit in us, God. Help us to ask the right questions, Lord Jesus. And if people come to us, Lord, help us to have the right posture because the body of Christ is meant to be a body. We are not going to isolate ourselves, Lord Jesus. We are going to come together in unity and say, let's grow together, because the enemy wants to get us separate. and wants to isolate us, Lord Jesus. But this morning, we come together in unity and say, I'm not, we are better together, and we believe it in the name of Jesus, and we just declare victory over every separation and everything that wants to take us away from our growth by telling us that people are going to judge us. That's a lie from the devil, Lord. We're all worthy of judgment. I come here knowing that I need a Savior just as much as the next person, and God, we are going to submit under our Savior to say, God, I will submit unto others as, as, refer, as I reverence you, Lord Jesus. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Will you clap your hands to Jesus this morning? We're going we're gonna to worship him, and I want to invite the prayer teams up here this morning to pray at, at this time of worship.
And I want you to, I want to ask you to stay for a few minutes and worship Jesus. And if you're going through something this morning that you need to be authentic and, and you need some people to come alongside you and, and, and pray with you and just hear what you're going through so they can encourage you and maybe even be a rumble strip for you, I'm going to have some people up here, our prayer teams that are coming now, that can pray with you and say, God is going to give you victory in this situation. Can you worship with me for a couple minutes?